Welcome to the Nonprofit Voice Tech Series, a special edition of the Nonprofit Voice Podcast, hosted by Mark Becker, founding partner of Cathex's Partners and editorial advisory board member of Nonprofit Pro. In each episode of this monthly installment, Mark will have conversations with prominent nonprofit organizations and industry thought leaders to learn more about different technology offerings in the marketplace. Join us and together we will learn more about these innovative digital tools and how to navigate the rapidly evolving technology landscape. All right, welcome back everyone. Um, Mark Becker here, founding partner of Cathexis Partners. Uh, today, uh, joined by a couple of fellow uh, Florida, Central Florida natives, um, Abby and Maria. Uh, Abby, you wanna go ahead and introduce yourself and your role? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Abby Jarvis. I am part of the team over at Neon One. Um, so what we do is we have a suite of tools that help nonprofits kind of find and engage and then retain their donors. And one of the coolest tools I think we have is a CRM. So we can get a lot of insight into donor data and how nonprofits can use that data to um, really kind of build a community of supporters. So super excited about this topic, really excited to be here and uh, can't wait to get started. Yeah, it's great to, great to have you. I and mean, we've had you on a podcast before and always great to chat with you. And, and Maria, mind introducing yourself. Hi, my name is Maria Shanley. I'm the Director of Marketing and Data Management at Second Harvest Bank in Central Florida. I live in Orlando, Florida, uh, home of Mickey Mouse. And uh, I oversee our direct marketing, which includes direct mail, digital fundraising, as well as marketing for the organization. And I oversee a team, our data team, which includes data processing and also data analysis. So love this topic. Yeah, it's uh, so today we're going to be talking all about data, right? Um, Cathexis Partners, my company recently put out a, a, a report um, that we hope to be able to link to from this uh, description of this podcast. But um, Eddie, uh, Neon's also recently put out a, a donor report, right? Yeah, we have. Um, it is called Donors Understanding the Future of Individual Giving. And it looks at, a, it's a pretty comprehensive look at what donors are doing uh, in different verticals and how they are giving, how they want to communicate with nonprofits and uh, what nonprofits can do to kind of keep them engaged, especially after that first gift, because that's where so many people drop off. So right. it's a really cool report. Yeah, definitely a lot of great information in there. Um, definitely check it out. So let's start out by talking about kind of data reporting and analysis, you know, what should folks be tracking and, and how are they tracking it? And I would love to hear from Maria, from you first, kind of, you know, I know you you guys are in the, in the weeds of this uh, often and, and on a regular basis, but uh, tell us what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. Yeah, so about two years ago, we hired our first data manager management position, which is very exciting for us. And so what we've done, uh, we were able to hire someone who knew data analysis, and he has some Tableau uh, training. And so what he's done is he takes our data from both databases that we use and puts them into Tableau to create dashboards. So what we do as a team, our development team looks at this data on a monthly basis when the month closes, and we're looking at things like, uh, we're looking at our monthly goals for direct marketing and where we fall for those. We're looking at average gift sizes. We're looking at company gifts versus individual gifts. We're looking at monthly data, uh, monthly gifts, 
and uh, one-time gifts. And then we're also looking at monthly gifts and how many of those monthly donors have given additional gifts and during which time of the year. So we look at the data on a monthly basis. We're looking at the data on a quarterly basis. And now we're are starting to look, we're about to do our end of year review because with food banks for the past two years, COVID, with COVID, we've kind of boomed in giving. And so this data is so important to us because we need to look at those three, four years back, right? Because we're still trying to get back to our new normal of giving. And so it's important for us to really keep an eye on these COVID donors and what they're doing and try to project for budget budgeting for the next two or three years to see where we need to be. Yeah, the pandemic has really turned everything up on its, its, its end, right? Definitely. One of my favorite meetings, Mark, I love those monthly meetings. Yeah. We just sit there and we just talk data for like an hour and look at all these number, fundraising numbers. And then we're also looking at our social media numbers as well, like the impressions, the engagement, those Facebook fundraisers. Uh, we're, we all also look at our volunteer numbers to see what the shift is there. So we um we like to look at those. You're just geeking out on a monthly basis. I like it. Back guests. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Abby, anything to add about the kind of things that folks should be um, looking at? Um, I think it's interesting to not, I mean, of course, tracking your fundraising performance is like the number one thing, right? That's how you pay the bills. Um, but I think if you if you have the means to do so, getting a feel for the different segments of donors that are represented in your overall base is really significant. Um, because like Maria called out, you probably have a cohort of donors that are there because of a major event like COVID. Um, so you have a number of different motivations represented in your donor base. And if you can speak to those motivations efficiently, then you can keep them engaged more effectively. Another thing that I know you and I have talked about before and I'm really passionate about is understanding the different um, age groups and the backgrounds of people represented in your donor base. So your millennial donors are going to want to interact with you differently than baby boomer donors. Um, people who are from different backgrounds and have different 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 giving histories are going to want to interact with you differently. So understanding not only your fundraising performance, but then understanding who is driving your fundraising performance, I think is really special because the more you understand the actual individuals and the segments represented in your donor base, the more effective you'll be when you're actually trying to talk to your donors. And um, you'll be a lot more, I think, comfortable asking for support in different ways from different groups. Yeah, that's so true, Abby. Uh, we do an age overlay dash. We have an age overlay dashboard that we look at as well to see if that has shifted. Have has it? Um, yes. So we're definitely seeing those Gen X, those older Gen Xers. If obviously our our biggest donors are those baby boomers, but you can see that little bump when mm. we get to Gen X. So it's really cool to see that. Yeah, that's super. That's very cool. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> awesome. So Maria, you know, you, you guys do, what is it, three or four different peer-to-peer -peer fundraising campaigns a year? Yeah, so right? we do. We, we have our virtual food drive campaign, and then we also do a, like a, a Run Disney. Uh, we're part of Run, the Run, Run Disney Race, and so we try to engage runners and to do fundraising through that tool that we have as well. And, you know, in addition to your monthly and, and quarterly and annual review of overall giving, as far as for those campaigns, you know, uh, analyzing 
before, during, and after, um, and then before the next season? And how does that play into all of it? So we are, uh, so during COVID, we did have our virtual food drive tool just kind of exploded for two, almost two years. And so we are really kind of looking to see which of those donors have started virtual food drives those previous three years and trying to really retain some of these almost like new cheerleaders for us, right? That mm -hmm. started a virtual food drive during COVID. And so I think we're, we're still trying to figure out what that messaging needs to look like. And we are sending them like impact stories and we're looking at the data, but we're trying to find different ways to kind of let people know about this virtual food drive and how you can help in this way. Got it. Any, any thoughts there, Abby, when it comes to kind of campaign life cycles? Um, I mean, when it comes to campaign life cycles, I mean, I'm always kind of fixated on that concept of the virtuous cycle. So making sure you're, um, in, you're reporting that impact like Maria and her team are doing before you're making an additional ask. But I mean, what they're doing is so, I mean, it's perfect. That's really what you want to do is keep just that, that virtuous cycle, making sure you're updating people and reporting their impact before you ask them again. Yeah. And then... Any examples, Maria, of how you use that data to kind of uh, alter your timing or your messaging, you know, of your messaging or, uh, you know, your segmentation of your audience or the, the tone um, or even ask levels that you're, you're putting into, you know, your, your different forms? Yeah, so I, I have two examples. So definitely for when we look at our monthly donor dashboards, we're looking to see, um, when people are upgrading their gifts on their own. And so that kind of helps us see which times of the year we should definitely uh, be running these upgrade campaigns. And I think like we all know that we should be doing it in the fall, but it's always nice when you see a dashboard and you're like, oh yeah, this is when people really are upgrading this gift, right? Um, and then something else that's really cool is in Google Analytics, um, since our donation form is tied to, uh, to Google Analytics, we can see when people are going in there to make gifts. And so something that we saw in our data is that pre-COVID, uh, people were giving gifts throughout the whole day different times. Uh, the past year or so, we are seeing that window has actually shortened and people are actually giving gifts after nine and before four o'clock. So we're kind of taking that data and making sure that when we testing out different email sends and times, right? And different days as well to see, because we're looking at the data from Google Analytics that shows us when these gifts are being made. And how do we take advantage of that and send emails around those times? You are in it and you are on it. I like it. <laughs> that is great. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Any any thoughts around messaging and the, the timing and all that, Abby? Yeah, I'm actually like, I was, I'm, it's a podcast you can't see, but I was like grinning when Maria was talking about when, when they're seeing donors come in and that kind of shortening window when people are actually giving, because we noticed a similar pattern in the data that we looked at for our donor report. Uh, we started noticing that the vast majority of donors are giving on weekdays. And we noticed um, in that people tend to give in the early, or like the early afternoon. So uh, when we looked at all the data, they, our, my coworker, Tim, calls it the golden hour. It's Thursdays at 1130 because that's when we saw the most processing happening. And I love that Maria called that out because it's a reminder that not every nonprofit is, is the same. So uh, Maria's donor base behaves differently than the donor base for the SPCA down the street, and they behave differently than the church up the road. 
Um, but being able to look at your data and understand when your donors are most interested in giving and are already in kind of the headspace that will lead to a gift uh, will help you time appeals in a way that will get them in front of your donors when they are most receptive to that messaging. Um, so I, when you first started talking about you know data dashboards 10 years ago, everybody was really intimidated, like, what are we going to do with all this information? And this is just a testament to how useful it is uh, to understand your donors' patterns and when they are actively engaging with you. Yeah, totally. So let's kind of move on to um, maintenance, right? How do you keep the data clean? And circling back to something you uh, touched on, Maria, you know, and your organization, and, and it's not uncommon. A lot happens in a lot of organizations where there's multiple, you know, sources of data, right? You, you're using Luminate Online and you're using Boomerang and then you're using Tableau for reporting out and using dashboards and all that. Um, you know, what kind of, what do you do to keep it all clean policies and procedures and, and all of that? Yeah, so right now, you know, if you looked at our data three years ago, like we could, we would tell you that we don't trust this data, right? But now that we are, once since our data manager has stepped in, you know, he spent that first year really looking at what data we had in there and coming up with a plan to clean up the data and really creating those like standards of like how we enter data into our database. And so now on two years later, you know, we all say that we trust this data because we know what's in our database, right? And it also sets us up for future databases that we might go into because now we know where everything is, how everything is coded, he has uh, manuals and procedures. Um, he's amazing to have at the thing. Yeah, it sounds like a huge ad and, and so important to have those standard operating procedures and this one source of truth on how things are supposed to be done and, and what reports to be run, right? Because you can, you can go into any system and see some standard or custom reports that seem like they are pulling the same data, but they have completely different numbers, right? And then it's okay, so what do we trust here? So having having that that, that person, that that resource um, to to point to the right one, this is this is what you do for this thing and this is why these numbers are different is really important. And I'm it, sure and it's think, been a huge difference. Yeah. And I think it's also really important to get your whole development team involved and to really educate the whole team on how this data is being used and how it's being entered because it's we've had a lot of meetings with different teams to make sure that we're all on the same page of how we want this data, the data we want to get, right? How we need to make sure it's entered correctly. Right, right. And and yeah, starting out with what do we want to see, right? And yeah, are we all looking at the same things? What do you think, Abby? Um, I I mean I work for a for-profit, so not, not a non-profit, but we see the same things in the for-profit world, making sure there is a process and that everyone knows the process. Everyone on the whole team knows what to do. So if you have an intern entering donor information, or if you have your development director entering donor information, like making sure everyone's kind of on the same page. And the other thing that I think is important to think through is if you are using a number of different tools, um, so your donor database, your donation form, everything else, making sure they all talk to each other really well. Um, so you're not getting 
you know, data in lots of different formats from each of the different services that you're using. So uh, I know that it is, I can, I can hear some people thinking like, oh yeah, well, it's easier said than done. And I, I hear you, but uh, the time that you spend making sure all of your services talk to each other well, and the time that you spend making sure everyone's trained on what to do uh, will save you time down the road when you're not trying to you know, parse through three years of, of data that doesn't necessarily feel trustworthy like Maria and her team had to do. Yeah, we, we're talking to a lot of organizations these days that um, reach out to us because they want some help because of the, you know, great resignation, right? People are moving on, moving moving into new roles, uh, switching things up. So there's, you know, um, more turnover than ever in the nonprofit space, which has always historically had, you know, higher turnover rates than for profit. So having that documentation and, and a process for training new hires, right? And making sure that they're, sure. they're doing the same thing, the same processes so that you're just not yeah. losing that as soon as someone leaves the organization. Yeah, write it down. I love a checklist. Give me a checklist. Make sure everything is going in perfectly. Just give it checklists. Love it. Make everybody do it. <laughs> I love a checklist as well. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right. I mean, we could talk data all day, right? But um, just uh, in the means of, to, to wrap this up, any, any kind of final thoughts or anything leave the, you know, any idea, final ideas here from Abby, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I know a lot of nonprofits really struggle with um, what to start measuring first and where their benchmarks should be and how to get started. And so um, I said it earlier and I'll say it again, like remember that your nonprofit is unique. So it's always helpful to look at industry benchmarks uh, to understand anything from average gift size to time of day that people are donating to communication preferences. But um, those benchmarks aren't scripture. So if your benchmarks look different when you're starting to measure your data, that that's okay. Um, and then I'll also say to that picking the data that you measure and using it to inform your fundraising is never a one and done process. It's always evolving. So um, if you start noticing that your performance looks different or uh, your fundraising is, is shifting, it's okay to change the data you're measuring and it's okay to change the way that you measure it because your donor base is always evolving and your data will too. Well said. Maria, how about yourself? That's really hard to follow. But, <laughs> it's um, good, isn't it? I, think, I, <laughs> I know you can do it. it. It's really understanding that uh, it takes time to do something like this, right? Because we, we hear about all these things that you should be doing and all these dashboards that you should be creating. And, uh, and I think that you have to start somewhere, right? So you have to do that, that walk, jog, run mentality. And, you know, create that timeline for yourself for like the next couple of years, because it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And it's something that you need to get buy in from your boss and really uh, help with your team. Right. And for us, really having that data manager has been huge and helping us get there. Like we we talked about dashboards for almost a full year. It took us a year to get to the dashboards that we have right now. But it was talking, testing playing with the data. So just understand that this is something that takes time or, and also it helps if you bring someone in to help with this data, because with nonprofits, we don't all have that data manager that knows Tableau, right? I feel like we're incredibly lucky with that. And if you are a food bank, 
you know, thanks to Seen America, you can get that license for free. So for her thanks, but you know, but if you need help with other, you know, for these kind of to look at these numbers, you know, budget to get some help with that. Because it's like hard it. trying to figure it out on your own. It really is. Definitely is. Well, yeah, great information. And I, I agree with all that. Definitely want to echo about the benchmarks. You know, everybody is unique, but there's some great benchmark reports out there, including, um, uh, you know, Mian's recent report. Uh, check it out. Um, MNR, um, benchmarks.com, I think it is, um, does a great report every year. And as Abby said, you know, your numbers are going to be unique and different, but um, at least that even gives, if you're starting out, it gives you an idea of the kind of things that you should consider tracking. Um, but a lot of good topics here today, gang. Um, thanks so much for your time and thanks everybody for listening in. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of The Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash the hyphen nonprofit hyphen voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of The Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.